This podcast practices social distancing. From Fox News Podcasts, I'm Dana Perino. Then I'm Chris Steyerwalt. And this is Perino and Steyerwalt. I'll tell you what. Tell you what? Tell you what? You sound like you're in a tin can. So do you. So we're in dueling, oh, okay. we're, we're, we're in dueling cans. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Chris, let me just tell you, the trivia today is fantastic. That's bad news. That is a... No. That is a di- it's really pretty good. And also we did a mailbag. So we'll have um, some questions uh, from folks. Some of them have to do with legislation that's working its way through Capitol Hill. Uh, but mm-hmm. others were just uh, pretty funny. So I want to get to all of that. Um, maybe we should start by telling people where we are. Where are you during this quarantine situation? Uh, Washington, D.C. And uh, going into our Washington bureau as little as possible. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. doing this from home today and uh, happy, happy to be with you. What about you? Um, so we left New York um, on Friday night, last Friday, and uh, got here to Bayhead, New Jersey, that you know very well. I got to tell you, I like, have not seen any other people or had a conversation with any other people aside from Peter, like in person for days and days, days and days. Um, my assistant, Hamda who this podcast knows, um, she has been coming to help me. We're doing the daily briefing and the five I know. from here as well. Um, Peter's working Our- from home and he works from home anyway. Um, so we're just all trying to give each other room and space. Um, actually, Peter's upstairs uh, on the Peloton now. And I just asked him to use his uh, earphones because I said, I'm doing a podcast. Do you mind? He's like, <gasps> I don't mind. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Labor. The other side. thing is he, he bought this. Um, why is a U-Haul out front? Huh? Maybe I'm being moved. Um, he bought this, these weights from Bowflex. So instead of having like uh, an entire row of all different size weights, this is a clever little contraption that I think the, highest weight is 58 and you turn this little dial for how heavy you want it or how light you want it. And then when you pick it up out of the contraption, that's the weight you have. So if you want a 10 pound weight or a 30 pound weight, all the way up to 58 pounds. Yeah. It's like, when he puts that back into the uh, container, it makes a lot Mm. of noise. It makes a lot of noise. (laughs) The other day we had to buy a new printer and he was setting it up. Now, this is a printer for me. I mostly am the only one who needs a printer here during this time. And it was, he was having to set it up several times. It needed the Wi-Fi code and blah, blah, blah. When I tell you that the beeping went on for an hour, I'm not exaggerating. Ooh. And Ooh. I, of course, he's doing it for me. But I was like, <gasps> and then Honda got here. And the first thing she saw was, oh, you can silence the beeps. Why oh, did we know that? Honda. Oh, Hamda, why, why did she say, why she should have, should have turned it off and not, she had no idea. She, had no, she just knew I that I would go crazy if I heard all the beeps. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we're, we're working it out yesterday. I realized I hadn't like walked outside for four days and I almost blew a gasket at six o'clock oh, really? after the show. I mean, I have been working, I've been riding the Peloton and I've been sending Austin my, um, you know, keeping myself honest so I can do all my workouts and everything. But Instead of taking a walk in the rain yes, uh, two days ago after the show, I did like 30 minutes yoga because I just needed to chill out. I got to say, I feel like working from home is a lot of work. Uh, it, it is a lot of work, um, especially the getting set up part and especially getting everything to work and everybody plugged in. Uh, some parts of it are great. And, you know, part of me feels guilty about, yeah, me too. How, about how pleasant uh, life really is today is a is a perfectly vile <laughs> uh, wet uh, cold uh, spring day in Washington DC uh, so it's a it's a fine it's a fine day to be indoors but you know each day has you know I, I spend more time with my kids I uh, work in the morning and enjoy it and then take a nice walk and you know 
one of the advantages of living in Washington, D.C. There's wonderful places to go take a walk and be outside and do all that. And the weather has been lovely to this point. And I love to cook and cooking. And there's wonderful restaurants if you want to order in and all this stuff. So it's, it's you know, life is, life is quite pleasant and I feel quite peaceful. And I feel guilty because I know that for large numbers of Americans, um, for either emotional reasons, but for economic reasons, uh, or even for their safety, this is a time of, of a feeling of great peril. So I feel a little bit guilty, but I, I'm not going to let that guilt interfere with my optimism about how this is all going to turn out. Yeah, I feel like, you know, I always felt a little frantic during the week, um, especially in the evenings at, in New York, because um, one night I worked late, one night I went to Pilates, then there's a dinner, and then there's a request for a business meeting or like mentoring. And I just felt so overwhelmed and trying to please everybody and do everything. And um, now that we can't go out and we actually have family time, I'm like, I really, really like it. Yeah. You know, um, there's a tendency that we have when we have busy lives and busy jobs and uh, many important things to do. You know, those cars that you pull back until they click and then you let them go and they shoot off. Yeah. So I think uh, we have, I do uh, have a tendency to operate in that way, which is dive into your day, attacking it, swinging your machete in front of you. <laughs> I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do the other thing. Blah, blah, blah. And you go through all of it and then you come home and you collapse, right? You're like, that's it. The car is out of juice or we ran into the uh, uh, door, door jam and that's it. Now we're done. And for me, for a long time, home has been where you go when you're done doing everything else in sort of the frantic pace that you do. But what's really nice for me, especially as a writer, is learning to and embracing the, um, the day it has a fluidity and an elasticity to it because it is not governed by the things that you described. Well, I got this lunch, and then I got to be over here. And I can go up on the hill. And then I've got a speech to give and all of those things that, that command the structure of your day. So I'm going to write in the morning that I'm going to do this, that I'm going to do that, that I'm going to make lunch at one. And like doing that is a, it's a, it's a, it's a refreshing break from the external demands that cause us to live a frenetic life. Mm-hmm. Um, I do wonder though, why it is that this one thing I asked Peter to do like two weeks ago is still not done. What is it? I want him to hang this Pilates poster, um, <laughs> that, that I got framed and yeah, he yeah. even went out and bought a hammer cause we don't have tools down here at this place, but now we have a hammer and to start. literally that was like 10 days ago. I'm like, Saw it again today. And he said, what is it? one of his favorite sayings is, um, you don't have to nag me every six months. I'll get around to it at some point. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that guy. That, that is all uh, right right there. So, yeah, maybe he'll listen to this. And that's really how I get a lot of things done around the house is I mentioned them, I mentioned them on the podcast. And then it, it like, happens. Because he's <laughs> well, shamed like I'm glad if, I was going to say, I'm glad if we can be the platform for you to publicly shame your husband. It, it did get you a Peloton. I know. I'm so glad I have it. Oh my gosh. All my new best friends, Dennis, Robin, Allie, Hannah, Jen, Robin. I mean, these are, these are my new pals. These are my new You know, pals. It's, it's interesting. We, um, it's like we're, we're talking uh, in Washington today and everywhere today about this massive uh, spending package, uh, stimulus and bailout that's working its way through Congress. And it's interesting to, uh, to think about how, this is what I'm writing about today, it's interesting to think about how, so take Peloton. So on the other side of this, do you think that Peloton will be better off or worse off? And the answer is probably Better off because better because did you know that the digital app is free for 90 days? 
And that, that was gonna, I was just going to say, people are going to become habituated. They're going to say, oh, this is, I really like it. It's, it's, worth the, it's worth it. Yeah. Right. So the same goes for Netflix and the same goes for Amazon Prime, uh, video on demand, all of these other, and Disney Plus, where it's like, oh, okay. And so gyms, for example, uh, gyms are probably the, the, the market contraction in gyms will probably be significant and it probably won't, I would guess, rebound all the way because they will lose users to alternate uh, in-home solutions. And we just, I guess my point being, I understand the, the demand for massive nuclear level uh, economic intervention. But the other thing I know is we uh, don't know what the how long this will be. We don't know what the consequences will be. We don't know what will be advantaged and what will be disadvantaged on the other side of it. And I think this is a good time for a little humility about all of those things and admitting that we don't, you know, who the winners, who are the losers, how will this go? We don't know. No, we don't. There, you know, that one thing that's difficult is that people are being asked to make decisions without information because right. there are so many unknowns. Um, and, oh gosh, there's just so much, right? I, I think about people with kids who, well, you have kids, um, and Virginia, for example, is one of the states no. that said the kids will not be <laughs> returning to school this academic school year. Like, what went through your mind when you heard that? Well, uh, a couple of things. Uh, number one, very grateful for their wonderful school and the diligence and rigor of their teachers, their headmistress, the, the whole shooting match, because they've been moving toward, they've been preparing and sending lessons. Uh, grateful for their mother, who is going to be a great teacher for them, uh, and grateful for a, a lot of these things, because they're, they're better situated than a lot of kids. Um, and they, you know what? Uh, they've kept a really good state of mind. Um, I feel bad for uh, uh, number two, the, the youngest man child is more adversely affected because he is a giant sports lunatic. Uh, I do not know a sports bug who is buggier than uh, uh, the nine-year-old. And not only does he always want to be playing, so teams are out, right? He was on two little league teams and I think uh, ready for uh, flag football to resume. Um, so that's all gone. But also gone is his, uh, his media diet is essentially 92% sports. And he's not interested in other stuff. He does, he does like the Netflix show Flinch. Uh, which involves people being uh, snapped in the groin with giant rubber bands and other uh, and other penalties. <laughs> it's it's quite a game show, um, but <laughs> but he is he is really taking it on the chin because all of the things that he loves have been have been banished. Uh, whereas uh, the the number one, uh, the eleven year old, is given more time to read. <laughs> Is given more time to write. Is given more. We're uh, to build models and play. Uh, we have the, he has this very complicated game that involves World War II tanks models that he built, and you roll dice, and there's a tape measure, and it's very intricate. So for him, this is this is wonderful because he can complete his studies in a shorter period of time, uh, and then do the things he enjoys. So the the, the rain falls. Did, on the did you did you send to them? The um, idea I had for a project about that bear from World War II. Oh no! But you know what? That is that is. Uh, uh, the, tell the people about the bear. I love the bear. Uh, oh gosh, uh, I don't really remember. Um, Peter he sent fought it to for me. The, he fought in the, the Polish, Polish army. Yep. Yeah, and there was uh, this bear, and they trained him, and he worked all during the war, and they could train him to do all sorts of things, and he was given the rank of corporal. No, or something. Yeah. And he was a real and he hero, and it was such a wonderful little story um, and a historical, with a historical uh, bent for anyone that needed to do a project. And I just thought if, if the older one of yours needed to um, write any papers or needed something to, uh, you know, study, that it was a good one. Oh, it's, it, that is a very good one. And, and when he has a, 
when, when there's an essay coming up for anybody, uh, that would be a wonderful topic for uh, a short paper on uh, an interesting historical figure. I love it. Well, it's taken Peter and I, I think, five nights, not consecutive nights, but we finally finished the documentary on Netflix called Wild Wild Country. Oh, I watched that years ago. That was so good. I don't even remember that. I don't remember that. And I used to watch the news all the time. So just for everybody, there was this guy named Rajneesh, um, and he became like a cult leader. Well, not like. He became a cult leader. Yeah, he was. <laughs> and then they fled They fled India, even though they said they really just wanted to come to America for safety. But they fled India because they were going to get in trouble for tax evasion and stuff. And they buy this ranch in Oregon. And all of a sudden, this tiny town of Antelope, Oregon, is overrun by these people from all over the world that dress in red. And they were just very different from the folks of the, Antelope. The, and the arch, they the were, arch type. Yeah, the arch, arch typical cult member, like the, all, all of the stuff. And yeah, great, and you know what, what was funny show. is that so that so that all took place in the early '80s, and so that's when I would have been like eight to twelve years old. Um, mm-hmm. it, I remember as a young person, sort of like maybe that age, and maybe a little, maybe mid teens. I was terrified of cults. Oh yeah. Like, I think Satanists. that they used to have people come into the schools to try to make sure that we didn't go into a cult. My mother was convinced, and look, we should not diminish it. Um, Scientology was coming on strong. Uh, the Hare Krishnas were at the airport. Uh, people were taken into cults and indoctrinated. And I, and I don't mean, you know, the, the 70s and into the early 80s, serious stuff happened and what happened in Oregon and this is antelope was out by bend Oregon in the Eastern part of the state in a pretty remote part of the state. You know, what happened was real. I don't want to diminish it, but I want to tell you my, (laughs) my mother was pretty solidly convinced of a couple of things. One, the cultists were out there and uh, aggressively recruiting uh, in Wheeling, West Virginia. And number two, Satanists were out there. And it's interesting that that was a, a sort of a moral panic of the time in the, in the early to mid 1980s about satanic cults roaming the hills of like Zanesville, Ohio or whatever. And it's such a weird thing to think about. Yeah. So scary. Um, the other thing we were, of course, we're, we're caught up on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh man, that makes me laugh. But are you watching the new Netflix documentary series about the big cats? The t- oh the tiger thing? Oh my goodness! No, I think that I think that would be too scary for me. I'm not gonna. No, 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 no. There's no scary. It's not. It's not a scary. It's wild. It is as wild as wild wild country. The tiger king. Of, yeah, the tiger king. It's not. There's not. It's not graphic, or it's not about tigers attacking you. It's not. It's not scary. It's like what a freak show. Like it is an amazing. It is an amazing slice of American life. It's, and it's got murder mystery. It's just, it's, it's a, it's a doozy. Yeah. Um, I'm also reading a novel. It's pretty good. Writers and lovers. That's a pretty good novel. Almost done with that. I have Clarence Thomas's autobiography to read, which I've heard is fantastic. I'm I'm a little bit late to, to read it, but um, that's next on my list. Well, you know, by the way, speaking of uh, Georgians writing books today, is Flannery O'Connor's birthday. No, I didn't know that. Uh, and uh, I love Flannery O'Connor. And uh, uh, we, we, <laughs> we should all remember today my favorite uh, Flannery O'Connor quote, which is, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you odd. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, since I asked people for questions and we had got so many good ones, I'm going to go through a couple if you don't mind. Hit me. Um. Okay, this is this is about the legislation that's working its way uh, through Capitol Hill right now. What did the Republicans cave on that the Democrats added into the two trillion dollar stimulus package that was holding it up? Um, there's a lot of questions about this legislation, and I guess before I turn it over to you, I, from my perspective, it's just um, you know it's it's tough when you do a big bill like this. There's always going to be stuff in there that people don't like, but doing it big and doing it fast 
was super important. Um, the Democrats seemed to be figuring out a way to frame this as something that they were able to really win on, even though actually when I looked at it, I thought, who is adding $35 million for the Kennedy Center in this emergency bill? That makes no sense. But that is what happens in Washington, unfortunately. So let's uh, let's run through it real quick. So basically what happens is the House and the Senate agree that the Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi agree that it's time to blow all the blow all the stops, right? Like, who cares? <laughs> Spend it, do it. Uh, you know uh, the the phrase "enough money to burn a wet elephant." Uh, this is the largest bailout, largest any. This puts TARP to shame. This puts the uh, 2009 Obama stimulus to shame. This is a giant geyser of bailout money and stimulus. Uh, and it is not, by the way, the last that we will see. This is, th- there will be more to come. And this is on top, by the way, of what the Federal Reserve is doing to pump even more money into the economy, another $4 trillion. So the process starts and they're just going to start ping-ponging this stuff back and forth and get it done quickly, blah, 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 blah. So a few things happen. Um, and... Nancy Pelosi sees an opportunity and she pumps the brakes as McConnell is barreling towards a Sunday night vote. She taps the brakes. No, wait a minute. Hold on. I don't know that we can just, I don't know if we can do this. Republicans were already feeling owly because there were some provisions that were slipped in, in round one. This is really round two that were slipped in that they thought were inappropriate. And so they, they were already feeling alley. And then Pelosi says, nope. So McConnell calls the vote, I assume with the intention of forcing the markets down in the morning to try to drag the Democrats to the table, right? And it did produce the desired result. Uh, and if you looked at what, I think it was the, the floor debates on Monday, just heinous, right? Really vicious attacks, senator to senator, awful, right? The showdown between Joe Manchin and uh, Mitch McConnell is one of the nastiest things that I've seen in the Senate. Uh, that goes, by the way, by the way, their feud goes back to Mitch McConnell um, forcing uh, and, and his moves, uh, breaking up the Big East uh, athletic conference that forced West Virginia into the Big 12. There, there's old bad blood there. Um, but it, everything falls apart. Um, and while this is going on, Pelosi has come up with her own replacement legislation and her replacement legislation for the Senate bill, which is just a cash geyser is a, uh, house of horrors for conservatives and Republicans. It's got everything in it. It's got carbon emission restrictions for airlines. It's got cap. The it's corporate, the um, corporate board diversity. Corporate board diversity. It's got and all it's she basically went around with a basket to all of her committee chair people, chairman and chairwomen, and said, whatever thing you've got, whatever pie in the sky that you've ever thought about, put it in now. And this becomes the threat, right? Like you better go because this is we're coming back at you with this. So the Republicans take the bait, right? They're like, no, it's going to – this bill – I heard that the bill is going to make everybody, uh, uh, you know, uh, get rid of their dog and buy a cat. I heard that the bill is going to make you use Nutella instead of peanut butter. And all the, the panic starts to set in. And I'm hearing from lobbyists and I'm hearing from all, all of these people who are contacting me like, what is going on with this legislation? And the panic gets really intense. Meantime – Secretary Mnuchin is the real negotiation is taking place between Secretary Mnuchin, who I assume is answering the phone from President Trump every 35 seconds, uh, and Chuck Schumer as they're hammering out the underlying deal. The Pelosi thing was a stunt, uh, and it actually helped the Republicans, though, too, help them get to a deal because the threat of that created enough of a pucker among (laughs) Republicans that it increased their sense of urgency to get the actual thing done. What the actual thing is, is basically a the, the, the concession that Democrats won, the final concession, the thing that 
two things held up final passage. Uh, one was oversight. And if you remember from TARP, banks did not necessarily want the TARP money. Banks like BB&T said, I don't want the TARP money because the oversight that comes with it and the scrutiny uh, and rules that are attached to this money are not worth it. And I would rather, because if I'm liquid, I'd rather not take the money than take it with these strings attached. So mm-hmm. the biggest part of the negotiation was Schumer getting strings attached because the White House said, we don't want strings attached to this money. We just want to pump the dough out uh, to these companies. And this was about putting strings on it. Uh, what the Republicans, what slowed it down on the Republican side was the concern about Pelosi-isms uh, and having staff basically go through the legislation with a fine-tooth comb for a day to look for any little weirdos that are in there that are going to make, you know, <laughs> cats lie down with dogs. That was, that was their thing. So that's basically how it worked. It ends up being a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money for uh, companies. It ends up being, including the cruise industry, uh, amazingly, uh, and, but it, a lot of money for a lot of companies, but also a lot of checks for people who make less than $99,000. Uh, a lot of, and that's really what concerns. And that's really, you know, when I found, when I find myself realizing like how stressed I am, I am worried about the health of people. I'm also worried about these um, workers that through no fault of their own are in this situation. And Oh my gosh, these doves are already here trying to build a nest on our ceiling fan. Oh gosh. Hold on one second. You know that Dana Perino is hawkish when her immediate action upon hearing that doves have a lit in her home is to chew them out. No, yeah, because man, spring came early. No, because they get themselves on there and then, oh boy, he's mad now. He's like, you, well, there he goes. Are you attacking? Are you attacking a symbol of peace right now? Well, the thing is, of course, I know that the ceiling fan on the porch would make a really good place to put a nest. I get that. Like, right. what better place? There's no predators. Everything's fine. But I can't have, I can't have that. No. On you, my porch. You need a ceiling fan. Yes, you need a ceiling fan, just as the dove needs a place to make its nest. So now I just turn the ceiling fan on, and he just flew off, like, irritated. <laughs> He was flipping, so, that bird was flipping me the bird. So you you slingshot the bird off of your ceiling fan by turning it on? Yep. <laughs> well, and now I just have to leave them on so that he doesn't come back. Yeah. He's, he's, there's plenty of trees around here. Plenty of trees. Yeah, so um, find, your, find your own place, Dove. Yeah. Um, okay, so the, the thing I was going to say about um, this bill to the extent that it can help employers keep their employees, you know, and keep paying them. Right. Um, that I think is a great goal because uh, I've had, I have a lot of anxiety about that. Right. So for sure. people, that this is not their fault. It's not like they, you know, didn't set their alarm, didn't make it to work five days in a row. It's that all of a sudden they cannot go to work and their kids maybe had to come home from school, from college and, they're trying to figure out a way to feed everybody in, in the house. And I'm just yeah. super worried about them. Um, Cause obviously, you know, my stay at home work from home situation is quite privileged and I get that. Um, I really do. So yeah, like one of the things Peter and I did is, you know, we have some people in our life that we pay uh, to help us with things like, you know, taking care of Jasper and such. And to the extent that we could, um, we continue to pay so that we can yeah. make sure that those people can stay whole, hopefully, you know, through all of this. No. And, and insofar as we're, and it's not like I'm spending money on going out uh, in, in, insofar as we're able, those are, those are important things to do. Um, you know, if you think about the short term versus the long term. Um, the, Urgency, it's, it's hard for people to remember how people, how Americans felt when the TARP was passed. It's hard for Americans now to remember what it felt like when the stimulus was passed. But it was like this, right? 
there was a panic nationally. People were freaking out and something had to be done. They said, God, you have to do something about this or we're doomed. And so the federal government, which hasn't passed a budget since 2007 and really struggles to execute its basic functions, has to get up on its hind legs very quickly and start trying to do stuff. And of course, they're not good at it and they can't make it, you know, they, none of us, none of us would be able to do it, but uh, uh, necessarily better, but they're just very poorly situated to do it because Washington is such a wreck and has been for so long. So the, the result is, of course, unsatisfactory over time. The populist revolts that will follow this will predictably follow the same arc of the last two, right? You've got Occupy Wall Street. You've got uh, the Tea Party, which followed the previous two. This one, a year from now, we'll be talking about how resentful people are about the way that this $2 trillion got spent and how it didn't help the people who were really hurting and mm. there will be recriminations and it will be the, the Alexandria Ocasio's uh, Cortez's presidential campaign will definitely be, <laughs> will definitely be highlighting uh, abuses of they'll call it the Trump uh, bailout or whatever, whatever name this ends up to, it's not going to be the cares act. Nice try. Uh, whatever the, whatever name, the coronavirus bailout or whatever it's called, uh, will be considered a stinkeroo a year from now, even as 80% of Americans say, please, 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 please. There's a few people here on Twitter asking me some, you know, to ask uh, you or to, for me to answer that are uh, questions about medical care. And we're not going to do oh, that. Oh, God, no. We no, are, no. We are, we are not the place. And, and for any of you who are um, dealing with... Uh, you know, maybe an underlying illness and you're wondering if you should go to the hospital. I just, I'm going to have to tell you, you got to call your doctor because they'll give you the best information. You will not get that here on, I'll tell you what. Um, but no. there's also a lot of questions or a few questions here about what in the world is Biden supposed to do right now? You know, we um, were in the middle of a presidential election and now that is very much on the back burner, though I saw Bernie Sanders today said, he plans to uh, debate in April if there's a, if there's debate, a debate. I just thought, brother, can you just put a sock in it for a minute? If there's a debate, I'll be there. Uh, Bernie, Bernie Sanders, uh, what's the meme? Uh, literally uh, no one, uh, colon, what's going on with the debate? Bernie Sanders, I'll be there. Uh, the, Bernie, the idea that Bernie Sanders uh, is still doing this gets a little more ridiculous, but it's a weird thing for Joe Biden. Um, the Democratic elite hate Joe Biden. Um, remember Alex Wagner? No. Alex Wagner is married to Obama's chef, Sam Cass. Oh, you know, the, the reporter. Yeah, well, uh, okay. she, yeah. yeah, but she... She's a, she's an editor at the Atlantic now. She used to uh, have a show on MSNBC. Guys, she's had a lot of jobs. She's had many, many, many jobs uh, as she has sort of cycled through the the Ob Obamic um, Democratic elite. And her dad, I, I think her dad was Bill Clinton's national campaign co-chairman. So she comes from a from an influential Democratic Got family. It. So she's she's she is a she is sort of the apotheosis of the Democratic elite, and um, she, <laughs> she wrote she wrote a thing in the Atlantic, uh, and the headline was "Stay Alive, Joe Biden," and the subhead, I swear this is actually true. Democrats need little from the front runner beyond his corporeal presence. Gee, thanks, Alex. What a what a what how nice of you. Uh, so basically, they uh, disdain Joe Biden, who is the opposite. Uh, I just, last night, I rewatched The Last Hurrah, uh, which is a great Spencer Tracy movie about the end of the old school machine politics in big city America. Uh, and thinking about Joe Biden, uh, because the that's what Joe Biden is. He's the opposite of the uh, cerebral, erudite, uh, 
uh, overeducated, uh, uh, pursed lips of the Obama Democrats. He's an old school guy and they can't stand him. So her whole piece basically just says there's no reason for Joe Biden, the person. There is a reason for Joe Biden, the idea. So Joe Biden should just say nothing and do nothing and try to keep himself alive as a concept so that we can pour our hatred for Donald Trump into that in November. And I thought if I was Joe Biden, I would, call, I would pick up the phone and I would call her and I would tell her to stick it in her chef's toque. And I would, if I was Joe Biden, I would start really jabbing back at these democratic elites who have such disdain for him and who are so, they have no shame about dissing their party's presumptive nominee and talking about Joe Biden like he was a child. It's really, it's sad. Um, when, and Joe Biden now, you know, forced off the campaign trail in his home in Delaware. Um, I got to say, like a couple of his appearances yesterday, he Oof. did look shaky. Oh, terrible. They were terrible. really bad. And I, I was thinking, you know, if Joe Biden were to not do anything for three weeks or however long till, I guess, you know, as the president reassesses and we'll see if Easter is realistic. We don't know. We'll just keep paying attention to that, whatever. For some, but yeah, if, yeah. if Joe Biden were to not do anything until then, would, we, would, would it matter? I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so. And I, th- I think, frankly, the, uh, the, in a lot of ways, the best thing that Joe Biden could do. So he's, but he's got a, he's in a pickle. The pickle is he needs money. Uh, so he's got to be out there enough to get Democrats to donate to him because he's going to need money. Number one. Number two, Bernie Sanders is a thing. And Bernie Sanders has a lot of money. He has a lot of money. And with mail-in, uh, what things are shaping up now as we look across the country, primaries have been delayed uh, and states are rapidly moving toward mail-in. Because it's just like punt, say we're just going to do mail-only primaries. This gives Bernie Sanders a chance to use his financial advantage over Joe Biden to try to grind Biden down and get Biden back where Hillary Clinton was, which is you can't clinch until the end and blah, 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 blah. So Biden has to be cognizant of how that ends. And that I'm sure informs his decision to give these from the bunker in his basement. Did you, oh, the, he did an interview with MSNBC on Tuesday that was. Yeah. Yeah. Just cringy. Awful, and this was even with the the most delicate kind of patty cake treatment uh, from the from the interviewer. So it was so uh, he's sort of he's a little bit twixt in between here. Yeah, gosh, that is uh, it's just not good, not good. Not okay, good. let's go to uh, let's go to another question from our great listeners out there. Um, someone thinks that I'm wearing slippers while I'm at home because of a picture. They're not <laughs> slippers; they're flats. And they're suede, so they're comfortable, but they're not slippers. And, sh- and, sh- and you'll use them to kill a bird if you have to. I'll sling that bird right out of here. <laughs> um, okay, let's see. I'm sorry, Jason Bonewall. Give me one second because these questions. Let's see. No, we're not going to get rid of Juan. Juan is our colleague, and Juan is great. Um <laughs> Uh, Somebody's asking me if I've made queso. Uh, No, I have not. My favorite new thing that I found at the grocery store are these salad kits in a bag, all in one bag. Have you seen these, Chris? Yes, Dana, I have seen. It's genius. (laughs) It's genius. Genius. Last night we had an Asian chopped salad. I was like, this is beautiful. It took me two seconds to open it up and put it all together. And it looked like a real, like, like I really worked hard. Um, that is, uh, that is, that is pretty funny. I would say that is pretty funny. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I've been living under a siege of chili. I have a problem when I make, especially soups that I am like, well, I might as well make a little, so I have some to freeze. And then I look at what is result and I have like a milk can full I have, you know, four gallons of all this stuff. So I froze a lot of it, but I, you know, gave myself a a, a, ch- a pretty aggressive chili sentence this week. And uh, I, I I will be glad to be on the other side of this chili. Yeah, I, I would imagine uh, it's probably good you live alone. 
Open the windows. No one there to appreciate it. That's right. Someone says here, Mimi Paragon asks, I would like to know more about your love of Gilligan's Island, which you've mentioned before on The Five. Who's your favorite character and what's your favorite episode? Oh, gosh. I don't think I remember episodes so much. I did love Gilligan's Island. I loved everything about it. Yeah, it was a great show. Gilligan might have been my favorite. I mean, he's hilarious. Uh, he he was hilarious, but um, Mr. Howell was very funny. And, very funny. Uh, and I... I, uh, Jim, uh, Backus, who played him also was Mr. Magoo and, uh, Jim Backus is a, a very funny individual. Okay. So we've gone through a lot of the questions we really have. So that's good. Um, um just a, a, about the Easter thing. Yes. Uh, I, so we have a problem, uh, as a culture because we're, debating things in in micrograms instead of ever getting an opportunity for much perspective. Um, nothing, most of these things are prudential questions, right? Uh, it's not either or, it's how much or how little. It's not should the government intervene, it's how much should the government intervene and in what ways. And it's not should businesses reopen, it's when should businesses reopen and where and how many. Um, this is, you know, people, negative partisanship drives people to always, of course, uh, put the worst words in their opponent's mouth. So when President Trump says, oh, to have the churches filled on Easter, this would be a great thing. Well, of course. And number one, he says a lot of things and reverses himself constantly. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure that's what he would like. And by the way, if this goes well, if the period of time between now and Easter goes well and Americans do their duty, uh, for a lot of places in America, I'm sure that's possible uh, that people will be attending church on Easter, maybe with some social distancing, maybe with some different, maybe the sign of the peace is the throwing up the sign of peace instead of shaking hands. But that, yeah, of course it's possible. Everybody's experience in this is going to be different, Right. People yeah. who live in New York are going to have a different experience than people who live in West Virginia. And people who live yeah. in West Virginia are going to have a different experience than people who live in Miami. And that's fine. It's a big country with a lot of people in it. And it's not an off-on either-or question. It's a, we all have to sort of agree. No, we don't sort of agree. We have to agree that from now until, and if Easter is the answer, that's a great one. But we all have to agree that from now until, and that's 18 days from now, we all have to agree that for this period of time, we're not, right? We're not going out. We're not hanging out. We're not gathering. We're not doing whatever until we find out who's sick, where they're sick, and in what numbers. Once we get to the end of that, the country's not going to reopen all at once. It's going to reopen gradually and in some parts and not in others. And People should stop talking past each other. Like one side favors the economic destruction of the United States and the other side favors uh, hundreds of thousands of people being killed. That's not the debate. This is a prudential debate over how much or how little, when, where, and how. Yeah, it's just going to be a careful balance. And I think that it can be done. I think that one, unfortunately, sometimes the way that we talk about Things is like okay, we'll all be back. Okay, it'll be fine, but it'll just right, <laughs> right, exactly. Like it'll be so like it never, that never happened. happened. Yeah, right. But exactly. I think that you know, um, I think people will exercise great care, and um, so I far, I feel I, like you know, Americans really are banding together. I love all these stories about. Um, in fact, Ashley, our, our pal in Montana, um, sent me this great oh, yeah, story. Ashley, I'm going to try to get it on the podcast. On the sorry, on the daily briefing this week. There's a young man up there in Montana. Uh, he has a distillery, but, you know, mm -hmm. it's like for whiskey. But he and his wife um, have made the decision to switch everything out. And they're making hand, si hand sanitizer and passing it up for free to the first responders um, that need it. Um, and there's a gazillion stories like this all across. In fact, I have somebody on the Daily Briefing today, a couple in New York, that are using their 3D printer to make masks. I saw that. And yeah. uh, speaking of Mon 
speaking of Montana, uh, in the halftime report today, uh, the story about <laughs> there's a guy in Billings, Montana, a dentist who was expanding his dental practices and ordered from China. Uh, there was, they were always running out of masks and they didn't have enough supply. So he got through to the producer in China and not understanding how things work, ordered a shipping container full of masks. Yeah, okay, send them over. Well, it was 700,000 masks. That oh, wow. was six years ago. That was six years ago, and it has been a running joke uh, for him and his partners. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, at least we've got 700,000 masks. But wouldn't you know it, that when this broke, they were like, this is fantastic. So they're able to start distributing them all over Montana uh, to to the hospitals and responders and everybody who needs them. I, that's, I, I love stories. Yeah, me too. I really, really love it. Hold tight, folks. Trivia is next. Okay, so we are ready for trivia. This is really going to be fun. Ready. So this is the game. You're going to be the doctor. You're going to think, well, oh, Lord, people are going to think that's rude. I'm not suggesting anything bad. Jason Bonewald, the way you wrote this up, I got to tell you. Um, let's see. I'm going to give you a list of ailments, and you name the president who suffered from them during their time in office. Okay. This is a great trivia, I think. Number one. Scarlet fever, diphtheria, asthma, and Addison's disease. Kennedy. Yes. Number two, malaria, dysentery, dropsy, lead poisoning, <laughs> likely due to a bullet that was lodged in his arm. Uh, and this, these, these are things that all they suffered from while they were Yes, president. while they were in office. A malarial president. Who would have, who would have, while they were president and malaria also had been shot. Uh, and had dropsy. And I know that you and Jonah Goldberg talked about that the other day. Nobody <laughs> with, we delighted in dropsy. Um, who could that have been? Uh, I, well, can I, can I ask you for a hint? Sure. Was the was the bullet likely the result of 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 military conflict or something else? I think military conflict, right, Jason? It might have been a duel. Oh, okay, duel. Andrew Jackson. There you go. All right, um, number three, polio. Uh, FDR. Number four, colon cancer, skin cancer, and complications from a gunshot wound. Ronald Reagan. Yep. And number five, alcoholism, tuberculosis, coughing, depression, war injury, and cirrhosis of the liver. Got to be U.S. Grant. Franklin Pierce. Oh, he sucked. Oh, I always forget how terrible Franklin Pierce was. (laughs) Can you hear that? Can you hear Jasper in the background? Uh, He lets me know he needs water by... uh, trying to get water out of an empty bowl and making a lot of noise. So sorry about that. No, it's all right. Don't you. Uh, it, so what we usually do when we say that is we turn to him and say, did your daddy not give you any water? <laughs> and blame it on someone else. Are you, I just hope for Peter that he does not end up getting shot off of a fan blade like that does. I hope. <laughs> By the way, um, while we've been on, uh, recording this podcast peloton has a new announcement they have they are land launching a new dance cardio program again the the digital app is free for uh 90 days and i guess you can go on here and do like a dance cardio like that's gonna be fun chris i could see it happening down there in dc i think i think it's right that's right around the corner sister we're just any minute now gonna start a dance cardio routine (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i mean it, it could be good i'm sure like i said i'm, I'm you gotta do stuff and we talked about this last week but you gotta do stuff and you gotta put when you have this much time either with others a small group of others so you don't get on each other's nerves or by yourself so that you don't turn into a crazy person uh, oh, and by the way, you know who's great? Your sister, who Angie, <laughs> yep, has sent me 
uh, songs the last two days. I think she's uh, building a lot of playlists and listening to a lot of music, but she's shared songs with me, great music the last couple of days. And it's such a like, it's so cool. I, you know, I really admire these artists who had to cancel their concerts. And so instead of um, being out there and amongst the people, they're doing them free on Instagram TV. Um, Al Jennings, Levi Lowry ready to, did ready to one. Rock. Travis Meadows. Um, and actually the country singers are doing something where they're challenging each other. I got to go watch this. This is actually looks like it's pretty fun. Challenging each other to some sort of a, like a poetry beat down type thing. Um, Drew, and my, uh, my friend and our friend, Kyle Jennings, um, on this Sunday, I think it's 7 p.m. I don't know if that's Eastern or Central, probably Central because he's in Michigan. Wait, no, that's Eastern? Most of Michigan is Eastern. Okay, so um, he's doing one at 7 p.m. on Sunday, and he's a great, great singer. So you got to check that one out, too. And, uh, it, and I was going to mention uh, Kyle's and also Drew Holcomb. Uh, who is a great musician, uh, he and his wife, or whatever, uh, he and his part, his uh, singing partner uh, have been doing, they call uh, kitchen covers. And every day or, or a lot of days, uh, they're doing in their kitchen, they're, they're covering uh, songs. And uh, today they did uh, Islands in the Stream with, uh, from Dolly That Parker, is what we are. Uh... And How it was sad, fantastic. Kenny Rogers. Oh, oh, he rocked it. Whatever. I'm not like Kenny Rogers had a, a, an amazing, wonderful life. I, I'm in awe when when you think about a life like his. In awe of all of the things he did and all of the ways he did it, and it's just it's just amazing. You gotta know when to fold. <laughs> he had a TV show. They made like multiple miniseries or TV movies about that. He had. He was with the fifth dimension. He was doing freaky hippie stuff. He was himself. He was the, uh, uh, he made well, uh, roasted chicken. The Muppet show that I remember the most was oh. when he was on the Muppet show singing um, the gambler with Kermit. Yes, ma'am. That's the best. I, 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 I remember it well. And I'm very grateful that my children have finally come after a long holdout to like the Muppets. Oh, do they like it now? Yep. Now they like the Muppets. The Muppets are great. Well, yep. you know, from, from Chris and I wish everybody um, well. And, you know, this next week or two is probably going to be a rough one. Uh, we'll be here for you and um, love hearing from you as well. So hope you enjoyed the podcast and we will be back at it. I think we'll probably still be socially distanced next week, but then we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll, see. we'll take advice from our um government leaders and our health professionals. So Chris, thank you. Take care. Thank you. You take care. All right. For more podcasts, go to foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this one on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you leave us a review during the quarantine, we will get it to them. Promise. (laughs) This has been Perino and Star. Well, I'll tell you what, on the Fox News Podcast Network. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.